if you set clear expectations from people, make sure that they have the skills and the knowledge and the capabilities to do what you need from them, and then just let them go, they're going to come back to you with something as good, if not better, than what you are expecting. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that quite frankly often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My guest on this episode is Christine Chidi, the Global Head of Human Resources at Gain Capital. Christine understands all the building blocks required to establish trust between managers and employees. She knows that trust is the foundation of a successful company from both a production standpoint and from a cultural standpoint. But I don't want to give away the secrets for her or spend any more time keeping you from what they are. So with that said, dive right in. Christine Sheedy, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. You've got a really interesting background. You've got some awesome experience and it's always nice when you can bring someone on the show that you know well and for as long a time as we know each other. <laughs> so I was trying to remember, and I think you served me dinner at a restaurant about 20 years ago. So it's definitely been a long time. No, we know each other from... Uh, we lived in the same building. Yeah. Yes. And you were a waiter at the restaurant around the corner. No, definitely not. Definitely no? not. No, maybe we're mistaken with someone else. Someone else tall, yeah. dark, and handsome. <laughs> but no, that's, that's what it was. <laughs> it was definitely uh, the same apartment building for a long Oh, time. yeah. Oh, yeah. That is great. So it's, it's awesome. I, and what was funny is I think it might have been, I don't know, five or six years after that, that when we bumped into each other in a cab. And yeah. Then, saw that the kids were the same age. And yeah. Uh, that's great. I love that. Funny. So here we are. I shouldn't be quantifying this, but 20 years later. And. Oh. Uh, now we get an opportunity to pick your brain, learn your story, and share that with other people in the HR community that would like to accomplish or try to accomplish some of the things that you've done, or maybe just learn some experiences that you've had in it so that they can apply it to what they're doing. So if you're ready to rock, I'd like to help other people better understand kind of you as a person. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions and uh, then we'll roll into the meat and potatoes of the conversation, that being your experience and the things that you're doing and uh, some of the tidbits of knowledge that you could share. Sound good? Excellent. Sounds awesome. perfect. All right. So for those that don't know you, are you an introvert? Would you consider yourself an extrovert or somewhere in between that kind of centrovert and area? I'm going to show my Massachusetts roots when I say I am a wicked extrovert. 
Um, <laughs> I need external interaction to make my day worth it. Even if it means that I go sit on my stoop and I say hi to the dogs that are walking by my house. So I love my family, but I need that inspiration from outside on a regular basis. And I live in a house of introverts. So it's pretty scary. <laughs> oh man. It's good for the neighbors. Um, oh yeah. I know that you are an avid reader. What was the, uh, what was the last book you read? And also, do you have a, a favorite book? I've taken a new approach to reading of late. I have a physical book that's uh, fiction that is always going. Mm-hmm. I listen to a memoir or nonfiction, and I mm-hmm. keep up with my teens by reading young adult novels on a Kindle app and never buy them. So the latest fiction I just finished yesterday was The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, mm. which is an amazing commentary on different approaches to race relations and the impact that it's had on our society. And I also just finished Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which are a set of stories on what it means to be a, a woman, a mom, and a part of society. And a book that I love, I've been following this author quite a bit on social media. A book that I love is called Tell Me More by Kelly Corrigan, which are, I call them ruminations on 12 things we say or need to say to build strong relationships. And given what I do every day, the relationships are so important that I love this book. And some of the things are, yes, no, tell me more. Oh, I haven't heard of that. If you don't mind, we get off, send me the, the link to that series. I will. I think that's great. And I'll also put that in the show notes for other people that are are interested as well. sounds really good. So what are you doing to stay in shape mentally these days with everything that's going on? It's hard to be in the house, that's for sure, and to be on quarantine. But I I would say I'm probably not doing that much different than I would ordinarily. I am a fan of meditation, as are many nowadays. I I do think of that as exercise for your brain, Mm -hmm. where you release all that unused brain space. I like the physical sensation of walking and getting fresh air. And I try to do that every day and get out of the house and and make sure I'm moving. And then I'm a puzzle person and that's a regular puzzle, physical puzzles and crossword puzzles. Love playing with words. That's great. Now, have you been able to get any puzzles these days? They're they're a harder commodity than toilet paper. I, all of my spending nowadays is on groceries and Home Depot. And the third place that I spend money is a store here in town called Little City Books, where they you can buy puzzles online and go pick them up at the store first thing in the morning. And I've been getting them uh, more than I ever have before in my life. That's for sure. That's great. That's a good commodity right there. So you got any habits, good, bad, or indifferent? I'm sure I have tons of them. I am shocked at how much you need that pattern of getting up and doing something consistently to make it a habit. And from a work perspective, one of my best is I handwrite all my lists and I rewrite them and I look at them and I cross them off. And having a list, not only organize my brain apps, I try to use the electronic tools for that. And something about the physical act of writing that list ensures that it's something that will get done. There's studies behind that. I'm a, I'm a list guy too, but I was actually just listening to a uh, podcast the other day with a guy named Jim Quick. He's a very famous memory expert, and uh, he just talked about the science about by physically crossing that off. That's like a sense of accomplishment, and it, and it releases, I think it's dopamine to Probably. your brain that's not just only good for your brain. You know, it's just the more dopamine that you can release, the better, but it's also, again, a positive reinforcement, and it's just... It's just good. So yep. I'll, I'll chalk that up as a good habit. 
and I'll, I'll take credit for having that same habit also. <laughs> uh, hey, so, I'm not going to take any hits for bad habits though, because yeah. even those that seem bad must feel good at the time that you're doing them. So <laughs> I, I like all my habits. Yeah. Good. 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 <laughs> what, if you don't mind, for, for those that aren't familiar with who you are, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Well, Workfront, I am the global head of human resources for a company called Gain Capital. Gain is primarily a retail trading firm, meaning that it allows consumers like you and I to trade on an online platform. It started out with a single client-facing site called Forex.com, trading foreign exchange, allowing retail traders to trade foreign exchange, which is something that is usually done by larger companies and banks. We've expanded over the years. We're global. We have about 650 employees right now. And I head up their their entire people practice for the global entity. I've been doing that for about six years. And I've got, gosh, I'm dating myself, 25, 30 years of human resources experience now with some sprinklings of marketing and employee communications thrown in along the way. And then in my real life, I'm the mom of two teenage boys. I have a cat and a turtle. I am very close with my parents. We, we spend a lot of time with family and a lot more now that we're in quarantine. <laughs> um, very connected to my community and schools. And I'm on our, our school board for, for my children's charter school. And uh, you know, I've, I've been pretty settled here. I live in Hoboken. And I've been settled here for 25 years. And it's been great. Nice. So you got a lot of free time. Yeah, tons. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I so I haven't had this much time for reading in the past ten years. So I, I gotta say, quarantine's been nice to cancel every sporting event I've ever had to go to. That's true. That's a good point. God, I can't believe it's already been six years. I remember when you had moved over. Was your background traditional? Going because you had more of a organizational I'd, development bend, correct? Is that? Yeah, I had rarely. I had. I had only been in, in the pure human resources role for about two years prior to going to Gain, and at that time, I'd kind of been at Thomson Reuters, which I'd been at for thirteen years, and eleven of those years was primarily in organizational development. So I did a lot of internal coaching to business leaders and their organizations. I did one-on-one coaching for individuals. I worked on um, different aspects of engaging employees. So managing engaging, engagement and measuring it through our annual employee survey. I worked on performance management, leadership development, and I had a, a broad spectrum of just different responsibilities. It was a great job, it was a fun job. And toward the end there, I spent about two years working with one of my business groups as their head of human resources. And it was the first time that I'd taken the HR role. It was something I wasn't sure that I'd, I'd ever really wanted because I was, I was pretty happy in org development. And I think the thing that I like about both of them is being part of the team that helps drive the business by using its people appropriately and using the combined knowledge of all of its people. So um, looking at my career and where I had gaps, I realized that I, I was not strong enough in, in the pure HR role and had this opportunity to come up at Gain Capital. And it's been a learning experience every day. And I think I'd forgotten how much fun it was to learn, to not know what you're doing all the time. And mm. it's been one of the best experiences that I've had. And I, I encourage everyone to do something that they aren't sure they can do as often as possible. Yeah. That's where the learning happens. It's when you stretch yourself. So 
What did you do when, if you didn't necessarily have as broad of a base as maybe a more traditional person taking this kind of role? Is it your networks that you're leveraging? Like, like how are you able to kind of run the ship? The network actually is very valuable. My team is highly valuable. And the Google is always extremely helpful as well. <laughs> so I've been lucky enough. And one of the things that I noticed when I got to gain is I went from having a team of about 250 HR colleagues to having a team of about five. So when I needed advice before, there was 249 other people I could reach out to find out information. When I got to gain, if we needed advice, there weren't that many of us to reach out to. So we do tap our networks. I reach out to people in the company who have come from someplace else who might have information that I could use. I rely on our resources. We've got good contacts who have expertise in immigration or employment law or benefits. And I've learned so much from each of those contacts along the way so that I can grow and I can help my team grow. And then I'm as manager, I'm a huge fan of just throwing concepts out to my team and saying, Hey, what do you think we could do about blank? Whether that blank is performance management or data analytics, or we just launched a virtual networking program in-house. I said, I think it would be fun if we could do this while everybody's home. Why don't we do a virtual networking? And somebody said, how's that going to work? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just make it up. And so we take a lot of chances and we do rely on external resources and searching and then calling a couple friends and seeing what would work and trying things, learning from our mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I just remember something, you know, that you had told me even just a couple of weeks ago when you were growing, how you were able to leverage, I think you hired 40 people or something. I forgot uh, the number. Just, but. just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we did. It was interesting because with the onset of coronavirus and the impact that it had on the markets, on the financial markets, our business got really busy and so busy that we were not able to process all of our customer applications and all the customer calls that were coming in. And while we were moving everyone home and getting them to work remotely, which is something we had never done 100% before, much of other companies, in the same week, we had to hire 40 people globally and get them trained up and do it in a new way because we couldn't meet anybody. The recruiting agencies were going through the same fluctuations. We suddenly had to get people set up with computers without them coming into the office. It was different. It was fun. And we just learned a lot on the fly and took some chances. And And I think you've heard me say this before. I'll, I'll say a lot. We put some trust in people. So instead of having them come in and sign off that they will never use the computer in a bad way, I've said, can we trust you to use your computer appropriately? Yes. Okay. Then I'm going to send you a computer and really put some faith in our staff to put the company's best interests first and foremost and make things happen. That's encouraging to hear. What is the overall biggest challenge? I mean, it sounds like it depends on what day I catch you, but do you have an, (laughs) is there an over, is there one challenge in particular that comes to Um, mind? I think the one thing that I noticed the most is that people are so caught up in what is happening right in front of them that it's hard to get them to take the time to step back and stop the firefighting, Mm -hmm. but see what the big picture is in order to figure out what we could do better so that we stop having fires and stop having problems. So for example, we'll see that there's a, a problem with a manager and that that person is having maybe some challenges dealing with an employee. And rather than stepping back and thinking, okay, what, what can we do to help that manager be a better manager? Where are 
that person's blind spots? How can we fill those? Instead, we're dealing with that problem that's right in front of us. It's how that person is being treated as an employee at that moment. Mm. And once we get past that moment, it's hard to justify going back and going, okay, so really what we need to do is get the manager out of their job, give them the time to learn and to step back and to think about things so that they can be a better manager and then go back to being on the job or to see that there's a process problem. And instead of just dealing with the the issue right now, we go back and go, okay, what should the process be? If the process were doing this, then we wouldn't have that problem anymore, right? And getting everybody to take that moment of, to gain clarity, really, and just breathing to let Mm. the space come in and see what could be better. And without that, it is hard. I will continue to say that it is hard because it, it you can't make things better for the long run and easier on the company and open to improvement if you can't take that time to step back and think about things. You think about it for your personal life, right? You might set a goal for yourself. You want to make a certain amount of money. You want to lose a certain amount of weight. Well, you can't lose weight by just like starting to lose weight. You have to lose weight by going, okay, what is happening with me that I haven't been able to lose weight what's getting in the way of that and then move those things out of the way so it's all great if you say i want to lose weight and you start exercising but then you realize you've already been exercising three hours a day and you forgot that your calorie consumption is five thousand calories maybe you need to cut that so by not you need to take that step back before digging into things and i would say that that's one of the biggest challenges that we have just in general people having the time for that and then as a leader as a person myself, making sure that I delegate and expect more from my team. So as I said earlier, I'm a maker of lists. And I realized today that that this week's list was two written pages long. And that means that I haven't handed off enough to my team. And when I forget that, that means that I'm taking opportunities away from them that they could do better than I'm doing. And I need to take that moment and step back and look at it myself and say, what should I give away so that all of us can get better in our jobs. That is such a great way of looking at it. (laughs) I I haven't heard that before. I really like that approach and that mindset of thinking about how do I make everybody else instead of, I guess, necessarily hoarding the responsibility and for for yourself, Hey, I can pass this along to somebody else. It builds up their skill set, which again, ultimately is also going to help you and the organization as well as them. It's something that I've run into a lot over the years is wanting to not give the the quote unquote icky work to somebody on my team. I, you know, I'll just do all this terrible work myself. And you forget that sometimes the terrible work is what a junior person actually learns from. It's what they want to do. They're feeling left out when you don't hand off the, the right amount of work to the team. So I have to limit what I can do to force people to do what they can do. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the devil is in the details too. So they do need to learn where obviously as a leader, you got to show them that you can do it, but at the same time you have already done it. So it's okay to pass it off. It's their turn. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think to one of your points earlier, you were talking about, it sounds like this is an earlier statement you made to help people understand the difference between busy and important. Definitely. There's always things that can make you busy. It's one of the paradoxes that I can't remember what the name of it is off the top of my head, but you definitely want to work on the urgent and important or if not that, then just the important. The urgent can always get in the way. So true. Gosh, that's so true. There were two things that you've also mentioned that really caught my ear that I'd love for you to elaborate on if possible. You talked yeah. about building trust and mm-hmm. understanding how 
really kind of how a problem is an opportunity. Yeah. Like what happened with the, hey, you had to hire 40 people. Well, okay, you could look at it that it's a problem, you know, or hey, this is an opportunity, like you said, to see if we can onboard them quickly, get them up and running, and then offer other people that might currently not be working a job. So Absolutely. I'd love to hear you talk about what building trust means to you. Trust is an interesting one because it's something that's really come to the forefront for me in the past five or six years as I've been running HR. And I realize how often we build systems and processes and plans and documents that are pretty much the total opposite of trust. When I first got to Gain, I saw the employee handbook. And the first thing that's in the handbook, and, and this is for a legal reason, but it was all the things about don't harass people. This is what it means if you want to quit. All of these things that were just so negative. And let me tell you, employee handbooks are read two times. Once is your first day on the job. And the other time is when you have a problem and you, you want to make sure you're getting your benefits dealt with. But the first day on the job, it should be a positive experience. And I realized that we put all these rules in place because we don't trust our people. And the more that we can trust our people, the more that they will step up to achieve what they can, whatever they can, really. And so I'm, I'm seeing it now. Well, with the coronavirus and people having to work from home, working remote is a challenge for a lot of managers. And if you ask them why, it's because they say, I don't see my people and I don't know what they're doing. And I would always push back and then say, what if you trust that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? My feeling is if you set clear expectations from people, make sure that they have the skills and the knowledge and the capabilities to do what you need from them, and then just let them go, they're going to come back to you with something as good, if not better than what you are expecting mm. most of the time. Now that's not perfect, but the times that it doesn't happen, that's when you use discipline and pushback and encouragement to find a better way to do something. But I think the more that you can release people to be who they are and what they can be, the better off you will be as a manager. We put in a, a policy last year of unlimited sick time, mainly because I noticed with two or three sick days, people were coming in sick because they didn't want to take a vacation day. They didn't want to get their pay doc, whatever it was that was a problem for them. They wanted to make sure that they we're still getting paid for all their days. So we put in a policy of unlimited sick time. And I remember people just saying, well, that's never going to work. People are just going to be off all the time. Well, the truth is most people actually want to go to work. And if you trust that most people want to go to work and do what is necessary to achieve their objectives, then you also have to trust that they're not going to take too many sick days. And since we put in that policy, I've actually seen a drop in sick days because people aren't taking what they're quote unquote entitled to. They're instead taking time off when they need it, when it's right for them, when their family needs them, when they have a sick child, when they personally are not feeling well, it keeps them out of the office. It keeps them from making other people sick. And that's so important at a time when we're actually dealing with a health crisis. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any concerns about our people coming in because I've told them, take the time that you need. So the more that we can do that, the better off we are as a management team, as a company. And I think we're going to see that become more and more important as you see different generations come into the workplace. I've spent some time reading about Gen X versus baby boomers versus millennials. I don't buy into much of that, quite frankly. I think there's some similarities about each of the generations. But at the end of the day, if you've got hard workers, they're just hard workers. They want to do a good job. Yeah. But 
what I find is the way that you get past these generational differences is by putting in a sense of connection and a sense of trust and trusting that people want to do what's right. And they will. That was awesome, by the way. You were like a nice little soliloquy going on there. Uh, <laughs> what are, are there things that you can recommend that other people do that are listening to this that can kind of help to build that trust factor in their organizations? Because I agree with you. Trust is everything. So in my company, I, again, it's about relationships. And the key to the holy grail of a relationship is trust. And yep. when you build that trust, then, then that trust also becomes transferable. So yep. trust is powerful. I need to actually introduce you to my friend, Jeff Michelle. He is a best-selling author and he's done so many other things, but he's actually writing a book as we speak on trust. And I don't know if I'm allowed to share what the name of it is, but it's a really catchy title. It was supposed to be 10 chapters. He's already 20 deep and it's not finished. <laughs> That's what will happen. So I would say one of the things that I really love from a trust perspective is employing a coaching approach, a coaching behavior when you're dealing with your team. And what I mean by that is when you're an executive coach, one of the things that you try really hard not to do is to give people advice. It's kind of like going to a therapist. When you see a therapist, they don't usually tell you what to do. They ask you questions so that you can figure out what you have the appetite to do. And I would say one of the surest ways to show trust to your team is rather than tell them what you think they should do, you should instead ask questions and probe and inquire as to what they think they should do and then give good reinforcement or redirection. And that's one of the ways that you show trust. Mm. Can you give me an example? Like walk me through a scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with my job. I don't know if I really am good at this or if I've got the upside to make my job in your department, a career. How do you help me to build trust? Adam, why did you take this job in the first place? Mm. And what do you like about it? And what frustrates you? Where are you running into challenges? Tell me more about the experiences that got you here. What was the thing that made you want to do this job? What have you liked most about it? What have you found to be a bother for you? Going through those types of things helps you figure it out versus me coming and going, well, I've been doing it for 20 years. You should just do it. It's a really fun job. The questions open up the conversation. The direction closes down the conversation. As a parent, this works for parenting too, especially, I could use especially some tips teenagers. <laughs> asking, yeah, you've got girls. I have boys. Yeah. But the questions, I mean, nothing shuts my, my smaller humans. They actually aren't smaller than me anymore. Nothing shuts them down faster than me saying, you should go work on your homework. As opposed to saying, hey, what do you have to do tonight? What needs to get done? What's your plan for doing that? Can I give you some advice? And having that conversation ends up with them owning the problem and having to deal with it themselves. Because I can't go off and do chemistry. I cannot solve the problem for them. I can't take the test. I can't study. I can't write the paper. But I can help them organize their brains so that they want to do it in a way that works for them. And I think that's the same thing with the employees that you have on your team. Sometimes it's not perfect. I'm not saying this is 100% of the time, but I always start with this behavior so that when it gets to the point that you realize that something's really not working out, it's not your relationship with the person that's not working out. It's really something about the work that is not operational. I have someone that I've, I've worked with recently who is definitely one of those people that they don't even see their problems, but 
again, if I jumped in and said, here's what's wrong, then there's no chance for them to look at what the issue is. And after they don't see the issue, after a couple of times of going back and forth, then sometimes you have to show them and sometimes they'll never see it. Maybe it's not the right project. Sometimes it's worth moving things around and saying to somebody, if, you, if you're not comfortable with this, do you want to hand it off? Do you want to do something else instead? Is it more of just putting a mirror to their face? Very or, often. Yeah, well, okay. a mirror, somebody just asked me the other day to, could we send someone to coaching uh, a colleague? And I said, well, they need to be able to be willing to look into the mirror before mm. we can send someone to coaching. And so it's one thing to hold the mirror up, but if they're looking at the mirror and seeing the things in the background and not themselves, then it's not going to do any good. People have to be willing to make changes up there. The other area, I think that another tip for people in terms of employing trust is in planning work. I think that it's a, a bit of an expansion on what I was just saying around the coaching behaviors, but I've managed performance management for a long time. And I've found a couple of things to be really true. One is if you say to somebody, can you tell me what you think you're going to accomplish by the end of this year? They're going to give you a much longer list than the one that you could have created for yourself. So they know what they're capable of and they have bigger, better, broader ideas than you probably have. So trust them to figure out what they can do. And then trusting people in the performance review cycle to give accurate self-assessments. I hate going into a performance review as a manager where I don't know how the person feels about themselves. So I always have them do a self-assessment first. And you can see by doing that, they usually know themselves better. They know what you think. They know how things are going. And it allows you to have a much better conversation around development opportunities instead of just giving feedback. Because you can go to people and like, yep, you saw that. You, you knew that you were late with that project three times. That's okay. What can I do to enable you to be better next time so it's not late? And you did a great job on that. Let me tell you how much better it was than even you realized. And you're able to grow the conversation as opposed to starting. That's great. That's absolutely great. You're like the in-house psychologist too. It's like, you're. I the, am. <laughs> have you seen billions? The, the show billions? On I TV? need to watch. No, I haven't watched billions yet. It's, on, right, it's gonna, on my list. Succession. Right, I love billions. I haven't watched. All right. You'll have to watch that and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about when I'm, I'm referencing this conversation. So I'll remind absolutely. you. So we're cutting close on time here. I got one question. I got a lot of questions, but we're going to oh. only have time for one before we bolt. Well, here, I'll give you two questions and you choose. What's the best advice that someone ever gave you? Or, and it could even be the same answer, what could be the best advice that you would share for someone else? And it could be anything. Actually, both of those. Because the best advice that someone gave me, and I repeated this a lot, is don't be afraid to hire someone smarter than you. They're always going to make you look better and you're going to learn something from them. So don't be afraid to hire someone smarter than you. Mm. If I were to give advice, one of the things that I say all the time is know yourself and trust yourself, especially for people on my team. HR is a hard field where people think they know what you do because they've managed people before because they've worked with people, right? And I've said to them all the time, you just spent 10 years learning your craft. You need to be able to share your knowledge and don't worry about what other people know because they spent the past 10 years learning their craft. You don't know as much about their craft as, as they do. They don't know as much about your craft as you do. So trust yourself, trust where you are and that you have expertise because you've grown it over the years. And I would give that to people coming out of college. Trust yourself, know yourself better than everybody else. I wish I'd 
thought of that along the way. I don't, I know I did not trust myself for the first 10 or 15 years of my career. Did you have an, an epiphany? Easy yeah. for me to say. <laughs> a, a very, it was an epiphany. It was an epiphany. And I'll make this story as short as possible. I was working with a group. I was uh, facilitating a two-day workshop. And the president of that group, he looked familiar to me. I just did not know how I knew him. I figured I'd run across him in the business at some point. And while we were sitting at dinner, I said, where did you go to college? And he said, I went to this small Catholic school a half hour south of Boston. I said, oddly enough, I went to a small Catholic school a half hour south of Boston. And we realized we were in the same college class. And we'd just never spoken to each other on campus, but I knew who he was. And it was that moment that I realized, wait a minute. He spent 20 years learning a specific part of this business. He doesn't know human resources. I've spent 20 years learning human resources. I don't know his business. Like I am here to advise him. And he's looking to me for guidance and perspective because I know my stuff. And he knows his stuff. There's a complementary behavior there. But it was that one moment that I realized, like, it doesn't matter how old you are, what background you have, or where you came from, whether you're a man or you're a woman, or you're from the Northeast or the Southwest, or whatever it is, you've got some kind of experience that you are there to share. Mm. And people need that. Mm. And that aha moment was was so perfect for me because it was just, it spelled out, wait, 20 years ago, we, we started in the same freshman class and we both knew the same amount of nothing. So <laughs> we got here by learning <laughs> some way. Oh, that is an awesome share. I very much appreciate that. And that's cool that you had that, that epiphany because there are a lot of people that don't, or, or maybe they did, but they didn't realize it actually. Yeah. Like that experience, yeah. if you weren't present in that moment to think about that, so maybe that's the challenge to other people as they're kind of reflecting on this conversation to think about situations that they've been in where they can have that, they can kind of have that clarity that you experienced. Um, Along the way, I've been told that I, that I must have extremely funny kids because I've got really great stories about them. And I've realized that my kids aren't any funnier than anybody else's. I just write things down and I remember some of the funnier stories <laughs> and they become your history, right? And I think people need to do that with their work, with their life, with whatever it is that they they need to interpret. But I, I try to remember my stories so that I can use them to help others, to help coach, to help whatever it is. That's what you've just done today. So for uh, all of us out there, I want to thank you for sharing. I'd like to thank you for being on the show. And uh, I can't wait to listen. Thanks for having me. This has been great. <laughs> Make it a great day. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise.